You're listening to CRST, the podcast from Bryn Mawr Communications. So hello and welcome to CRST, the podcast. I'm your host, Rosa Bragamili, and today we'll be exploring some of the topics covered in CRST's March cover focus entitled Champions of Change, which explore the individuals, organizations, and causes pushing for recognizable change in ophthalmology. Joining me for today's episode are my fellow contributors to an article focusing on the importance of avoiding burnout, maintaining balance, and prioritizing personal well-being. We have Drs. David Felsted, author of Burnout Prevention, Tips for the Busy Spouse, Parent, Surgeon, Masara Laganoff, author of Finding Ways to Be Kind to Myself, and Rupa Wong, author of Integrating Work and Life Requires Thoughtful, Harmonious Choices and Strategies to Maximize Effectiveness, Not Just Efficiency. And I will also be discussing my own article, Nutrition and Fitness Are Key to Maintaining Balance. I am personally based in Toronto, Canada, and I'm a professor of ophthalmology at the University of Toronto, and I specialize in cataract surgery and complicated cataract surgeries as well. So I'll allow my colleagues to introduce themselves. Maybe Dr. Felstead, we'll start with you. I'm Dr. Felstead. Um, I am a father of four, uh, a busy parent and surgeon, as I alluded to in my article. Um, I currently operate in the Southwest in Arizona, and I have a cataract and refractive practice down here that I'm very busy with. Um, I perform um, both complex and standard FACO, as well as LASIK and uh, other microinvasive glaucoma surgery. So hi, my name is Masara Lagana. So I'm a consultant ophthalmic surgeon in the UK, and I specialize in cornea, cataract, and refractive surgery. So I have two jobs. I have a role in the NHS, which is our public sector, and that's full-time. And then I have recently started my career in refractive surgery, and that's doing laser lens-based vision correction surgery in central London at OCL Vision, which is in the private sector. So definitely juggling uh, two very busy jobs at the moment. Great. And Dr. Rupa Wong? Hi, I'm a pediatric ophthalmologist and adult strabismus surgeon in Honolulu, Hawaii. I'm an associate clinical professor at the University of Hawaii, and I'm also the president and managing partner of Honolulu Eye Clinic, where I see patients and juggle my three children, as well as working with my ophthalmologist spouse husband. That in itself, Rupa, is hard, working with your (laughs) own spouse all day long. God bless you. You're braver than most of us. But okay, so we're going to start off by discussing the importance of self-care and wellness for ophthalmologists. Um, Many of you might not know, but I am a professional bodybuilder. I'm also a second degree black belt in karate. And so um, as well as being a very busy um, ophthalmologist. But um, what I find is really important is what I discussed in my article is that we really need to prioritize nutrition, fitness, and mental health in your daily routine. Um, And what I mean about this is that not everyone needs to be on a strict diet all the time or in the gym every day if that's not your thing, but um, you need to eat healthier to promote a healthier lifestyle. So that means making healthier choices in food choices and trying to minimize the usage of refined sugars in your food choices. Um, 
I like the, I mean, Rupa talks about the 2080 rule and we'll get to that when we get to Rupa's talk about that. But my 2080 rule is that 80% of the time I eat extremely healthy and clean. And by that, I mean a good high protein diet with minimal unrefined sugars and a lower fat content in that or very clean fats um, and clean, good, healthy carbs in those diets. And by good, healthy carbs, I mean whole wheat breads, um, rice and vegetables and some fruits and the healthiest fruits are berries because they have the least amount of sugar. Um, but 20% of the time I then eat within reason, pretty much anything I want. So generally I leave that for a weekend or having a glass of wine with dinner or something like that. And so you don't have to be hundred percent strict if you're not in a competitive mode. The fitness part for me is weightlifting with plyometric um, sprint training, because that's what I do. I do track and field and I do uh, bodybuilding. That's for me. Now for you, it might just be cardio. It might be weightlifting. It may be yoga. It may be some form, Zumba, dancing, some form of athletic activity that gives you peace of mind. I find that when I'm in the weight room, it's one hour a day of Rosa time. And so, although I am also a mother of three children that are a bit older, um, I need time away from my kids to be a better mom. I need time away from the office to be a better ophthalmologist. And I need time away from my husband to be a better wife. And so that one hour that I spend a day or an hour and a half for me, I've taken away the guilt because I know that the other hours that I spend with other people, that they will be 100% focused on me um, and I'm sorry, on them, not me. And that I, I have my mental health time to focus deep within myself. Um, a lot of times, some of my best presentation or research ideas come from those moments when I'm within myself. Um, some of the best self healing comes from those moments that I'm in the gym with myself. And so whatever your me time is, don't be afraid to take that time because it will help you in other aspects of your life. It'll also help you um, with respect to weight training in longevity, proven benefits with respect to dementia um, and reducing the risk of dementia with resistance training. And resistance training can be very lightweight. So you might only need five or 10 pounds. You may use just rubber bands. You may use body weight exercises like jumping squats or jumping lunges or walking lunges to get the bone bone density up. But it's a resistant training that has been proven in studies to decrease the risk of dementia. For women, better with respect to osteoporosis, decreasing our risk, better with respect to uh, bone health and, and joint health with resistance training. And then also in the OR, it will help your posture and at the slit lamp to have proper posture and better posterior chain strength. And that way you'll have less low back pain, less cervical creep, less issues with our discs in the operating room. And again, that has been proven to be beneficial. And that's just my take on it. So Dave, your article actually discusses burnout, which is another significant concern in the medical profession. Can you share some of the key strategies you have implemented to prevent burnout and maintaining a fulfilling career at the same time? Rosa, thank you for sharing your piece uh, in the article. I read it and um, I'm planning to make a lot of those changes that you are suggesting. Um, I've realized that um, some of the most devastating consequences and impacts on our career happen 
maybe 15 to 30 years down the line. Um, and they're all based on choices that we're sort of making today. Um, and I'm a young surgeon. I've been out only a couple of years. And I know I have a lot to learn and a lot to, a lot to do. Um, but I've always been an active, some form of active cyclist or physical um, athleticism in my life. I've always tried to implement that into my career. Um, so when I was in residency, it was cycling to work in the mornings and then back home at night. Um, and I found a pretty good outlet to that. Um, up here during the winter time where we're at, it's incredibly difficult to do that. Um, and so we actually just built out a little um, garage gym. And I've been working out three times a week doing that in the mornings. And I've just found a tremendous impact on my core strength, like you talked about, but also my neck. Um, you know, I operate twice a week and sometimes they can be long days. And my first year was pretty rough. I mean, I really felt it on my neck and shoulders. Um, um, but after working out for this last year, it's really made a, a huge impact. Um, so, you know, my article is really based on time management, financial strength, and then priorities. And I really feel like we need to set those things in stone early on so that we're not stuck 15 years down the line saying, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. or I wish I would have maybe done this. Um, so I've looked at my past and my present personal connections, and I've come to realize that what makes me most happy are the connections I have with my wife, kids, friends, neighbors. And I want to be present for these connections throughout my life. And so I've found tending to my garden of personal happiness very, very important. Um, I don't adhere to a strict schedule per se of, you know, when I hang out with people or what I do. Um, but I do try to build time in for what matters most and try and kind of make it a habit. Um, I ensure that I'm there for my kids in the morning when I wake up, when they wake up. And I try to be there when they go to bed at night every day. Um, my wife and I, like I said, we, we lift weights three days a week in our makeshift garage gym. And then finally, I got my financial life in order quickly after training. Um, they say that your first year out uh, can really impact your finances for the rest of your life. Um, and it's because you can make a lot of really poor choices um, right out of the gates. You can get a, you know, two cars on a lease and a really, really expensive mortgage. And, um, and so you can, you can make a lot of errors early on. Um, and so there's a great um, book and podcast and website called The White Coat Investor. And I really urge uh, all the young surgeons out there to read it and to binge it um, because it'll push you ahead in a lot of ways. Um, and he actually has a waterfall that you can Google. Um, it's kind of like an early attending waterfall of what to do and kind of the, the necessary retirement accounts you need to start funding and how to think about debt management, how to think about you know how many years you want to work. Um, and it kind of just gives you a step-by-step -step instruction. If you don't have any financial background, this is where you should go of how to get your life in order financially. Um, make sure that you have all the right insurance plans in place, including auto, home, life, um, some form of a disability policy that's owner, um, own occupation, and then an umbrella policy. Um, those things are really crucial and it's important to buy them when you're young and healthy and they're a lot more uh, inexpensive. Um, we often come out of training in kind of a minus one position financially. And so having a clear roadmap has been just crucial for my wife and I and how to figure out, you know, what matters most as far as our, our money and where it goes. Um, we also prioritize our vacation schedules. Um, we try and get that at least six to 12 months in advance. That way, everything else can kind of fit around that. And then finally, small tips. I don't check my work email every day. Um, I think that's kind of given me a, a little bit of a balance. And I invest in hobbies and interests like snowboarding, mountain biking, home improvement projects that I can look forward to when I'm not operating. 
And I hope that these um, these points can really help the young surgeon like myself uh, have a great work-life balance, maybe not burn out and uh, help their patients. I, I think those were all really valuable points. And being maybe just a little bit older or maybe a lot older than you are and having been out in practice now over 25 years, um, the you are brilliant. The points you are making at your level in your career are absolutely spot on. So the first thing you said, which really cued me up, was the fact that you love spending time with your kids and you're there in the morning and you're there in the evening. And I can't tell you how important that is. Um, and your kids will emulate who you are too. So if they see you biking and it's something they can do or, or snowboarding or going on a vacation or spending time with your wife and laughing and playing, those are the memories your kids remember. They don't care how big your house is and they don't care what car you drive. They care about the time you spend with them. And looking back now, my oldest is 25 and my next one is 23. That's what they remember. They remember the times, the trips we took, the times we spent together. I actually coached my kids' team. I'm, I'm also a professional basketball coach. So I coached every one of my boys, and that was time I got to spend with them. And so you can't, that is worth millions of dollars that you can make in the office or any name I could make for myself on the podium, how my kids look back and see me um, and emulate their lives around how I've taught them to grow. It means so much more. So what you have said is worth way more than any ophthalmology program in the world. So thank you for sharing that with us at such a young age and, and making those choices, both financial and family and balance oriented. And talking about work-life balance, I'm going to move on to Rupa because you wrote about how time management is crucial for maintaining balance. Can you share your methods for organizing your time and ensuring you are present for both your professional and personal commitments? Thank you. And Dave, I totally agree with you that just those prioritizations of like your children, your family, that's really what's going to have that lasting impact. And you figured it out so young, it's its really pretty amazing. And I think part of that is, personally, I feel that that concept, the term work-life balance, I feel like balance is unattainable. It always makes me picture like a seesaw with my children and like work on one side and my three kids on the other. And it's never going to be in perfect equilibrium ever. And then we're chasing this, this notion that's really impossible to achieve. So even though it seems like it's just semantics, I like to use the terminology work-life fit, harmony, integration, because I think that seems a lot more achievable. And then that way, we're not holding ourselves up to this standard that is really impossible. So I think one of the first things, and it really echoes what Dave says, I, I think it has to always be, and what you said, Rosa, is, is it has to be intentional. Every decision that you make regarding your personal, professional, family life has to be extremely intentional. And that's where I think many of us, when we come out of medicine in medical school and residency, we are subject to the hustle fallacy that we just have to work harder. We have to put in more hours. We've got to grind harder. And that's eventually, you know, the rewards on the other side of whatever obstacle, whether it's getting into med school, then finishing med school, then getting into residency, then finishing residency, or first five years of practice, developing your patient base. And you keep telling yourself in a year or two, I'm going to be like at my stride, I'll be able to work less. But I really believe that unless it's a conscious decision, you're never going to achieve it. So you have to make those compromises. And Dave figured that out early, that 
you know, being fully present for yourself and your family can absolutely be accomplished without sacrificing professional success. Your professional success might just look a little bit different or you might delay. You know, I'm now 40, almost 47. Now I'm doing the trips and speaking on the podium because my children are older and they can survive without me being there for a couple of days. But early on, that was that was a no for me. It's so far from Hawaii. It just wasn't worth it for me to take that time and be away from my family. And I think one of the tactics that I use is following that 80-20 rule, but slightly differently than you do, Rosa. I, again, think it's all about intentionality. So the 80-20 rule, if you don't know, is Pareto's principle. And briefly put, it's just that 80% of your results come from 20% of your actions. So the key is discovering what is that 20% and then doing away or outsourcing the remaining 80%. So concentrating only on that 20%. I have a lot of things that I do. You know, I run my, my managing, I'm managing partner of my clinical practice. I started a women's multi-specialty medical conference. I just launched a reading glasses line. I do a lot of stuff on social media. And then I'm also the main one that drives the children around, cooks family dinners, all of those things. So how do I do all of that? It's not because I have more time in my day. Absolutely not. But I'm really just crystal clear about those key aspects of my life. So I know personally, for me, outsourcing is key and knowing the time I spend with my children doing the things that encourage them to talk with me, that's important. I don't need to spend time doing the laundry. Similarly, at work, I need to be making the high leverage decisions. I used to do all the QuickBooks reconciliations. I don't need to do that anymore. That's not time well spent. That's not advancing you know, the needle on my work life in that way. So getting rid of the 80% that really wasn't achieving my goals, that was important. It's not that I don't do the QuickBooks reconciliation or they don't get done. I outsource it now. And so I think trying to see what 20% of the things that you do really causes the 80% of your results and what can you do that's unique to your skill set? What yields the greatest rate of return? What can you do that absolutely no one else, either in your family or at work, no one else can do. And so once I became really clear about that, I outsource or just eliminate the rest. And that's what's enabled me to have the work-life fit uh, that I have currently. I really liked um, your changing work-life balance because is it ever really a balance? It is truly a balancing act many days, but um, but work-life harmony, I really love that. Um, work-life fit is great too, but it's that harmony in anything in your life that you do, right? It's It's creating where you're happy and the people around you are happy too, without you sacrificing your happiness um, and your fulfillment. And um, I think so far, what you guys have stated um, will help minimize burnout because I'll tell you something with COVID and everything that's been going on, there's a lot of medical professional burnout going on right now because we're all stressed out, we're all overworked. Um, and so having some harmony and whether that be financial harmony, figuring out, you know, like you said, Dave, what, what do we need in our lives, car wise, mortgage wise, how can I pay it off the quickest? Um, and there has to be an upper limit there, right? That will not sacrifice what you need, but also you don't need extravagance because you know you want to go on trips with your kids and that's a whole different pocket of money. So you don't only want to be working, 
to pay everything off, you want to also have the enjoyment of the stuff you're working for. Um, and then as a, as a woman too, Rupa, what you said about, you know, we tend to pick up the slack in a household. It's still a gender bias that occurs um, where women have to find that extra balance to, to make that work. And so if you can outsource it and outsource anything that doesn't really make a difference, your kids don't care if you do the laundry or not. Your kids don't care if you write the financial checks or not. Your kids care that you're present and your husband or your spouse or partner cares that you're present when they need you there and that they're present when you need them there. And then your time for yourself. So all very great points. And then Masara, your article highlighted how work-life balance can be challenging to achieve, especially for us as busy professionals. So can you discuss how you approach the concept of work-life integration, which is another great way to put it, and how has this mindset impacted your personal and professional life? Thank you, Rosa. Yeah, I just want to say I'm really impressed with, with everything everyone said so far. And I definitely agree with Rupa that decisions need to be intentional. So I would say that my approach to work-life balance or integration is definitely something that's still evolving. And actually writing this article and reading the responses and the other articles that, that you've all read, uh, written, sorry, um, have really kind of opened my eyes and made me think long and hard about this area. And I think it's really important to actually take the time to consider things. So I would say it's definitely evolving. Um, during my training and fellowship years, which spanned nine years, my approach was to have these really intense periods of work followed by deep periods of rest. So it would, be, it would just be go, go, go 100% of the time. And then I would take like one to two weeks just to kind of decompress. And that would normally involve traveling or leaving the country, getting physically away from work and home. And when I was young, that was fine. And it worked really well for a while. Um, but what I've realized looking back is, although I felt I had balance year to year, day to day, I didn't actually have much balance. And week to week, there wasn't much balance in my life. And that's going into this next stage of my career. I would say I'm similar to Dave now. So I'm, I finished training. I'm in that early phase of my attending or consultancy career. But I'm very much still in limbo because in the UK, there's two types of consultant posts. There's locum job, which is a kind of temporary post. And then there's a permanent post. And a lot of my colleagues, a lot of people out of training are in these locum posts. And the reason there's not enough substantive posts is partly political, partly financial. Uh, we work in a kind of constrained public sector, which means there's a lot of senior doctors who don't yet know where they're going to be geographically. Um, they have no uh, financial certainty. Um, and so this is a big problem in the UK, actually. And so trying to find a routine or trying to find some kind of normalcy when you're living in a little bit of a um, uncertain time of your life is actually very challenging. And a lot of these people have children um, and families. And so it's actually quite hard to find balance when you've got a lot of uncertainty. And so what I've done is I've also carved out a career in refractive surgery, which is in the private sector. And the reason I've done that is because I wanted a second almost like a second career or a second organization that I worked with that allowed me a bit of freedom and flexibility in the long term. And I think it's important not just to rely on one employer uh, and one kind of career path in order to, to have any longevity or any certainty. So now that I'm entering this phase, I'm looking more at how I can manage my time, how I can delegate now that I have a team. 
um, and how I can create boundaries. So like Rupa was saying, you do have to uh, make compromises. You do have to delegate and outsource a lot of what you do because only you can do certain high skill or high value skills or high value tasks. And so that's what I'm starting to learn at this point in my career. Um, checking emails in the evenings, on the weekends. Um, you have to start setting boundaries because if you don't, people will just expect you to be on always. And what I've noticed is, is actually when you do take a step back and you do start to set boundaries, people don't quite know what to do with that. They're a little bit startled and they kind of start questioning, why are you not answering emails? Why are you not doing this? So, because they're so used to you working at 150% that when you actually step back and work the hours that you're paid to work, it's suddenly a shock to everyone around you. And you start to see things start to fragment and fall apart. And that's because one person was not meant to do this role. Probably two or three people were meant to, especially in the public sector where we just don't have enough manpower. So for me, I'm starting to make those changes little by little. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is I agree with Dave that you have to be organized. You have to organize your calendar six to 12 months in advance and you have to carve out time to rest and time for events and conferences and all sorts of things you want to do because every year you need to have a goal. You need to have a mission for the year. You need to have some kind of plan because otherwise life just happens and you don't find balance. You create balance. You plan balance. And I agree with Rupa as well when she said you have to be intentional with planning that. So those are the things I'm starting to instigate now in this stage of my career. The final thing that I said in my article was about um, actually motivating yourself because one of the biggest things about burnout actually this is something I had earlier in my career kind of in the middle stage of training where I wasn't really surrounded by any uh, motivational mentors or anyone that was stimulating me and it was a little bit of a dry patch in my career and I just wasn't motivated and I got a little bit burnt out and I lost a love for the career and I became a little bit cynical and actually it was in the later stages of my career when I was in my fellowship where I had an amazing mentor I was really motivated and I started to really believe that I could be more than mediocre and that's when I started to really up my game and when I started pushing myself and doing things that I didn't think I could do um, and learning skills surgical skills that were very complex that's when I started to lose that cynicism and that I really learned to love the job again and I think that's really important for avoiding burnout and for maintaining a fulfilling career long term. So these are the types of things that that I've come to learn. Um, so, yeah, that's it, really. In a nutshell, that was my article. And the main thing is just to be kind to yourself. And we don't always, as Ruba said, have to be in a hustle culture. We can just lie on the sofa and do nothing. We don't have to be productive all the time. Sometimes just doing nothing is actually self-care. And I think that's so important. A hundred percent, Masara. That's great. I love to sit on the couch and binge Netflix. Like <laughs> sometimes or go down the, the Instagram video rabbit hole with puppies. Oh, you God, know what yeah. I mean? We all need a bit of mindlessness, especially when you work in such a high paced, such a right. you know, such a stressful environment. You do need to just switch off and disengage. You, you talk about um, mentorship, and I was very blessed to have some excellent mentors when I was younger who not only mentored me on ophthalmology, but on family and balance and that sort of stuff. So I was very, very blessed. But I also teach residents 100% of the time. So I, whenever I'm in the OR, I have a shadow who's with me all the time. So I like to think that I'm mentoring them, but they're also mentoring me. 
And that's the thing that it, no matter what age you're at, it's always looking and learning from other people on what truly is balance or harmony or integration. And, and I find that I give them advice and sometimes they give me advice um, or they give me a glimpse into their like, like, Dave, you're a young new clinician, a surgeon, and you've inspired me to, um, you know, look at the way you're doing things. And, and I will send your message to my residents too. And in fact, my kids, because I think we all need to learn from each other and we're never too old to learn or too young to learn and to give back. So I think that's the other thing where I'm blessed that I, you know, most of the time blessed that I get residents because sometimes my coronary arteries don't love the residents, but um, I love the fact that I get to give back. So I just want to give everyone an opportunity to maybe give one sage word of advice if you've got one. Dave, you started, so maybe we'll let you start again after hearing everybody. Anything you want to add or, or state? I would just say just try and structure a career so you don't live with any regret. You know, I don't want to be looking back 30 years and saying, oh, I, you know, I spoke on the podium 90 days out of a year, but I wasn't there for my kids, at least four of them. Um, you know, so just live, live life in a way that you will be happy 30 years from now. I'd say, uh, don't be afraid to go against the grain. I had a nursery in my office, which Dave knows about, that I raised all three of my children there. And when I initially thought about this idea, everybody thought it was cuckoo bananas. They just, how can you have a nursery in your office? That's so unprofessional. That's, that's crazy. And once I actually executed, it was absolutely the best decision. I could go back to work and just pop down the hall and see my kids. And it was the best decision for me. So be comfortable making those correct decisions for yourself and disregard what others might have as their input. I think just being really um, organized about how you plan your time and being really intentional about how you schedule the balance because if you don't schedule that in that's no it's never going to happen you can always put it off to the next year or the following year when you're less busy or when things are more established so I think it's just about taking the time in the present and planning ahead and ensuring that you that you make time for balance and I would just say I think it's important to live your dream and live your dream in capital letters um, I'm crazy. People know I'm crazy. I'm okay with being crazy because my crazy makes everybody else smile in the room half of the time. And I'm good with that. And it took me and I shoot straight from the hip and that's okay too. Um, and live your dream and live your balance and live your harmony because really you and your family are number one and everything else comes second. Um, so I want to thank you all for joining me today and sharing your invaluable insights and experiences on achieving balance, wellness, and professional success as ophthalmologists, prioritizing self-care, setting boundaries, and focusing on work-life integration is essential for avoiding burnout and fostering a fulfilling career, and even more importantly, a fulfilling personal life. So thank you for tuning into this episode of CRST, the podcast. To learn more about the articles featured in this episode and to read all of those featured in CRST's Champions of Change issue, go to crstoday.com. Thank you. For more shows like the one you just listened to, check out the podcast channel on itube.net.